Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And this is our trilogy of slime. Uh, th- this episode is a trilogy of slime, but then also this uh, this episode is kicking off a series of three different episodes that deal with slime in the world, uh, generally biologically speaking. it's uh, We're going to be knee-deep in slime, and so are you guys. At and- least knee-deep. Yeah, yeah, elbow in it. Ugh. Uh, ha, ha, ha. And it's going to be awesome because this episode we will talk more about uh, snails, uh, a couple other critters out there in the world and their use of slime. But we will we will eventually get into slugs, slug sex, and uh, whether or not slime can actually have a sort of memory. But of yeah. course, we're talking the second and third episodes. Right now, we need to talk about the slime of nature. Yes. Now, slime, just just in a general sense, slime is, is pretty awesome. Uh, having been a young boy and still uh, having a bit of a, a young boy inside my mind, um, I just I have a lot of fond memories about slimy things. Mm-hmm. Um, watch it, watching te- on television, watching various uh, slimy stunts. Uh, remember Nickelodeon, of course. Right. The, those guys dropping slime on people. And apparently this was a big tradition in British television since like the, the 70s or even the, the 60s of using some sort of stunt where someone gets dunked in slime. Well, and of course there was actual slime itself that you could make and play yes. with, mm-hmm. um, which is a big deal, right? I'm yeah. sure a lot of people have done that actually in their science classes. Yeah, or uh, my mom is a kindergarten teacher, and um, every year they do this uh, thing where they make the, the oobleck, which is a type of uh, slime substance, uh, and the recipe is in the back of a Dr. Seuss book called oobleck. So, yeah, I mean, kids kids love slime. Uh, I also remember the Masters of the Universe action figures. Mm-hmm. They had something called the Slime Pit. I don't know. Did Your, your brother might have had this uh, back in the I don't day. think he had the Slime Pit. Yeah. Well, the slime pit was gross, and most I think there were a lot of parents that refused to buy it. Mine sure did. <laughs> uh, but on TV, it looked great because it was like this little, uh, you know, little con- construction. It was a little set for your, your Masters of the Universe uh, He-Man figures and whatnot. And uh, the evil Hordak would... Uh, would Hordak. Lo- Hordak. He was the... the nice. most, he would lock He-Man or whoever uh, into the slime pit, and then you would dunk slime on them. And it was, you know, like, oh, they're so gross and disgusting now and they're covered with slime and so parents tended not to buy that and of course you know this is uh the sort of slime thing we see later on in films like alien right this is yeah, this is used to slime yeah i mean this is, this is a great thing to try to get people to be completely repulsed yeah an interesting uh, fact uh, that i learned when i was writing the xenomorph article for mm-hmm. um how stuff works uh when they were filming alien they had to like yeah they had to coat the creature in all this goo for every shot, but that would wear the paint off. So H.R. Giger was having to repaint uh, that alien suit uh, every evening or every morning before they before the shoot, so that they would so that it would look right. You know, that would be such a cool job to be the slime artist on that set. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, you'd have to make vats of it, and have to be the right kind of viscosity. Yeah. It would be pretty good stuff. And there are a lot of a lot of slime monsters out there to get excited about. You sent me a list uh, from IO9 mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, just a whole lot. And I, I was going through that. And some of them I was you know, well familiar with, some not. Um, some of my favorites, though, of course, The Blob. Everyone loves The Blob. Uh, I did a Monster of the Week article about The Blob, talking about the possible science of, mm-hmm. a, of the giant amoeba. This is the 1950s The Blob. Yeah, though the 1980s remake is really fun, too. People often overlook it, but... Uh, but, but but it's it's nice. It's nice. Uh, that blob has really high hair. 
Well, that blob, it's a different type of blob. It's a kind of a fast-moving blob, mm-hmm. and, uh, and but there's some nice uh, 1980s uh, gore effects in there. I just want to imagine it with really big blonde hair spiked up. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on, too. Yeah. Um, the gelatinous cube was a favorite of mine from uh, Dungeons & Dragons. This was a big cube of clear blob jelly. And it would it would live in dungeon hallways, mm-hmm. and so you'd be running around through the dungeon, and you wouldn't see it because it looks clear. And then you'd bloop, go straight into it, and then it dissolves you down to bones and, and armor inside it. I so, love it. Yeah, so that's a fun one. You had you had ectoplasm in Ghostbusters Two. There was a, a lot of slimy effects there. You had Slimer in Ghostbusters One, of course. Um, Stephen King short stories. You had both the raft and gray matter, both blob inspired tales. Um, on Star Trek The Next Generation, you had uh, uh, this one character called uh, Armus, who uh, looks like this black, oily, slime monster that ends up eating the blonde lady. Of course. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just a list. Of, you can find whole lists of slime monsters on the on the Internet, and they're all great. I mean, there are movies like The Green Slime, and you could go on and on. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we are going to talk about this glorious goo, this slime, and its role in nature. So we're going to look at snails, the hagfish, and the African lungfish, but no, xenom- no xenomorphs, Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, but slugs, I think, can take the place of xenomorphs pretty well. Yeah, slugs are slugs are gross. I, um, I'm going to try and mask over this in the, a little bit. I probably will fail in the slug sex episode, but slugs are, I've always found repulsive. And it's not really the slime per se. The slime is a part of it, I'm mm-hmm. sure, but it's kind of a small part. There's just a lot going on that's repulsive about them. They're just... Like they're big and they're bloated and mm-hmm. and it's not like like a, a little snail with a little shell that doesn't really affect me. Like that's cute. I I, I actually will I will go to pains not to step on a on a snail. Really? Yeah. If I show you this picture, Don't. I wonder how you'll feel about that now. Oh, but well, those are on a person's face. Okay. So what that's... I have is uh, about maybe eight of these snails, uh, which are related to slugs. We know, uh, um, and they are on this man's face. Uh, and well, he's cringing in pain. <laughs> well, I think he's faking the pain. It looks more like re- repulsion, if anything. But I don't know. I think they're doing something to his <sighs> nostril there. Well, yeah. Okay, so I don't really like that at, at all. Okay. But, um, but I just if, wanted to see your but, level of sensitivity. But there. if they were just on 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 the you know on some rocks outside of a house on a on a, on a rainy day, mm-hmm. I would I would just let it go. But. Well, I will tell you that I love these guys. They're juicy and squishy, Ugh. and they leave a trail. They're Ugh. they're beautifully disgusting creatures, and and we're going to get into the merits of these creatures. Well, I I do respect the slug and, and the snail. I mean, uh, gastropods are amazing. And one of the True. things about slime, and one one of the things we really want to bring out about slime in this episode, is that it is such a fantastic organic substance, and, and there's so many uses mm-hmm. for it, and it's used for so many things that even if even as if you're into it in this kind of like eight year old slime is awesome kind of way. You're really only getting this one-dimensional idea of what slime is and what it what it what it can and is be is used for. Yeah, it is amazing stuff. Uh, let's talk about slugs, though. Let's talk about their appearance, uh, their anatomy. They are smooth and uniform in appearance. Mm-hmm. They're essentially snails without the albatross of a shell. Yeah, they drop that uh, in their evolutionary history. They drop that, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, though, because that has definitely informed the placement of yeah. certain things on their anatomy. Uh, they get through, get around through hydrostatic pulses of their tube-like bodies, as well as the slime that helps them uh, locomote. Yeah, they have that foot. Yes, yeah, yeah they've got a little uh, gastropod foot. 
And they sense the world using two sets of tentacles or feelers on their heads. So one set detects light and dark. All right. Let's talk about the slime that they have. This, uh, this slime that they, um, they put out. It's, it's, uh, it's really fascinating. Uh, just, just from a chemical standpoint. I was reading this article, um, I was talking about the work of, uh, UW bioengineering professors Pedro Verdugo and, uh, Christopher Vinny. And they were working with a zoology professor, Ingrid Deerp Olson. And, uh, th- this was, uh, this is from 93. But, um, they were looking uh, at the way slugs use it for, uh, for protection, for, uh, for locomotion, all these methods that we're talking about. And they, but they were interested in, and what it was like at a molecular level. Mm-hmm. And uh, previously, uh, researchers thought that slug slime was more like a bowl of spaghetti, just lots of tangled strands of goo, like somebody blowing their nose continuously into a bowl, kind of. I know that's disgusting, but <laughs> we're talking about slime. So just imagine that. That was kind of like the idea on a, on a smaller level. Yeah, okay. and the more, the more strands, the more tangled, the more mucus is what they thought. Yeah. But in 93, uh, these guys showed that slug mucus is not random. It is a highly organized polymetric material. And when secreted, the polymer absorbs water rapidly, up to 100 times its initial volume. So it's kind of like a, you know, just add water kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. In fact, this uh, slime is packed in, in as granules uh, inside the body. Uh, so it's dry mucus in granules. Yeah, like granules of mucus. And then when they pump it out, uh-huh. then it activates. And then it touches water. And then it grows into this slime substance. Oh, okay. So this is why slugs don't suck up too much water and explode when they crawl across water. Right. Because they can control that action of the granules meeting the water and then expanding. Yeah, one of the things that, that I found useful in just thinking about slime is to not not to think of it merely as something that is excreted that is a, that is external to the creature. Mm-hmm. Though I mean of course it is, but but to really think of it as the outer layer of that creature's body. It's really a part of it. I mean it would and, and we're going to get into all the various uses for it as we continue here, but the slime is is essentially a part of the creature. Well, right, just another layer of yeah. skin, so to speak. Yeah, or, basically. You know, yeah. Um, so here, this is really important, though, um, this secretion, because obviously they do this for various reasons, but if you were to pick up a slug and it would feel threatened, then yeah. it would produce a lot of the goo, a lot of this mucus. Yeah, and, and it, you, that's what you get. You should, you should get a fistful of slime if you're picking, going around picking up slugs. What's the matter with you? Now, some listeners may have done this before and discovered that if they picked it up and they went to go wash their hands afterwards, what would happen? Well, when they tried to get that goo off of their hands, the slime would actually double in volume or triple. Yeah. Um, because, again, you've got that water, and it's it's just going to make matters worse. So you're trying to wash your hands off, and the best thing to do is actually not even get to the water first, just get a dry towel, wipe it off as much as possible, and then wash your hands. Yeah. But, oh, I mean, who's picking these things up? I well, mean, the cool thing about that is it shows you the incredible adhesive properties that it has, right? It gets yeah, on your yeah, hands. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly hard to get off. But it gives you a good clue as to um, how they get around, how they navigate with this. Well, yeah, and it also shows, uh, it gives you a little insight into how versatile slime is. Uh, mm-hmm. Because on one hand, it's used for locomotion. It's used about, redu- it's about reducing friction. So that, I mean, basically the, sli- the slug or snail is creating a little road for itself uh, that right. it can travel. Um, and a road that other snails may encounter, and they're able to tell where and when the last uh, slug or snail was on that trail. Like, it's a, there's also a lot of communication 
going on here, which we'll get into. But um, Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about how they get around here because slugs have no articulate skeletal system, so they have to crawl. Right. And they do this by using complex muscle movements, especially a broad muscular organ at the base of the snail's body, known as the foot, as the you foot, said. Yeah. And these actions are then aided by the slime that the slug secretes. So as you had said, um, it does double duty. It can reduce friction between the snail's body and the ground mm-hmm. to let them glide along. But together with the sucking action of the foot sole, it can help the snail stick to a surface. So we're talking yeah. about the edge of a knife here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you can find videos of this famously. Uh, slugs can crawl over the uh, the blade of, of a razor uh, and they're unscathed. Uh, sl- uh, slug uh, Snails with large shells can climb up trees carrying this heavy weight with them, mm-hmm. and it's, it's no big deal because, it's the, the, because of the versatility of the slime. And like I mentioned uh, a second ago, slugs use slime to communicate with each other. With each other. Um, a, one slug's trail will contain uh, various important, important directional information, allows a second slug to follow. If a slug is in the mood to mate, that will be uh, a, a signal inside the, the slime that it's secreting. So there's kind of a mood slime going on as well. When a, <laughs> when a slug is putting out some slime, in a way it is, uh, it's writing a poem. It's sending out a, a missive to the rest of the gastropod world to interpret. And we will talk uh, in the next podcast about that courtship dance, which is so incredibly bizarre and beautiful and disgusting at the same time. Yeah. Now, uh, another thing you mentioned about the picking up a slug Mm -hmm. and about when they're threatened, that's another thing. That's another uh, example of mood slime. Um, Many snails can foam when they encounter a predator or if they touch something that is repulsive, which I guess is kind of ironic, but they'll encounter (laughs) substances that they don't dig. And when they do... They just whip out the slime because, again, this is like, you know, people, you know, when someone uh, says something, you know, kind of mean to somebody and they get hurt, they say, oh, why don't you grow some skin, grow, you know, grow some thick skin so you can deal with that. Well, that's kind of what this, this, the slug or the snail is doing here. Right. Counter something it doesn't like, it grows that skin. It grows that layer of slime that uh, that distances itself from the uh, potential dangers of the world. It can also be distasteful or toxic um, mm-hmm. in content so that if a bird wants to peck at it, it will soon discover that this is not something it wants to eat. So that's a good way that it can avoid predators. Um, it can use its slime as a repelling cord to lower itself down on the ground from yeah. plant stems. Again, the stickiness and the durability of the slime. And this is all just uh, just one reason why scientists continue to be very interested in the biomimetic uh, possibilities for slime, looking at it and saying, what is there about um, about the gastropod use of slime that we can learn from and then we can use in our products and mm-hmm. our technologies? So you're talking about uh, possibilities in uh, drug delivery systems, pollutant traps for sewage treatment plants, water-based lubricants, chemical information storage. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Yeah, because it really is amazing how the slime organizes itself and uh, helps the slug out here. Just how versatile is it? Well, you actually have bubble rafting snails, and this is pretty pretty amazing. These are uh, these are all aquatic snails, mm-hmm. and uh, they what they do is they secrete this the mucus from their their foot, and then they uh, they use this to create this um, this kind of float. That they, they then live under for the rest of their lives. So it's like a raft. Yeah, it's like and a raft. Like barnacles stuck to it. Yeah, a little raft that they live underneath. And you know, actually, this reminds me a bit of the uh, the Stephen King story, the raft, in which you had a, a wooden raft, and there are these teenagers stuck on top of it, and there's this grotesque, oily blob monster underneath trying to eat them. You see how all roads lead to Stephen King? Just about. I mean, he wrote a lot of stuff. So, you know, anything that entered his head, uh, there's a good chance it exited as a short story or a gigantic novel. Um, but uh, 
But th- this particular use of the mucus is, is really interesting because they the mucus has bubbles in it, so that's why it's floating, mm-hmm. and uh, it serves as this, uh, this thing that they're anchored to for the rest of their life. And it's really interesting, too, when you start looking at why they do this, how they evolved uh, to do this. And uh, the general idea is that uh, ancestors of these uh, uh, bubble rafting snails were using their their hardened uh, slime to anchor eggs on the uh, the bottom of the uh, of the body of water that they're in, uh, and th- this practice eventually evolved into the use of uh, uh, adding air bubbles to it and using it as this flotation device that they depend on. Yeah, that's really cool. And that's that again the adhesive property and the ability to have some sort of flexible movement too that a lot of researchers are interested in when it comes to like healing bones, for instance. They're trying to figure out how slime and its ability to harden at mm-hmm. times, um, but also locomote could help bones better heal. So there are all sorts of really cool things. The other thing I was thinking about is that it always comes down to reproductive fitness. So yeah. if you see this uh, this raft configuration, this glomming on, it's because it, you know the survival of that egg is important to the species. And we'll talk more about this in the Slug Sex podcast. But it really, when you look at the the reasons for a lot of things in nature, it's very interesting to see how everything sort of evolved from around that basic reason. Yeah. Now it, I was really in, in researching slugs and snails. I was really uh, horrified slash uh, amazed by how uh, successful they are, um, particularly in, in areas where they're invasive, of course. Mm-hmm. And they're invasive a lot of Like a lot of the, the snails and slugs we have here in North America were introduced. I'm sure anyone who had, who belongs to, say, a, a CSA, community-supported uh, uh, agriculture group, uh, has wound up with slugs in their kitchen before. I have. It's, uh, it's horrifying. Is, I see. This is yeah. what it's all coming down to. You had a really bad experience with a slug. Well, no, this was like um, a couple months ago. I'm, I mean, I, I don't know when I had quote-unquote, bad experiences with slugs. I remember mm-hmm. seeing big slugs when I was a kid, but none of them ever attacked me or anything. Mm-hmm. But but they'll show up, like, occasionally you, they'll hitch a ride on some produce, and mm-hmm. then they're in your sink, and you have that moment where you think your your house is being invaded by slugs. Mm-hmm. And some people's houses are invaded by slugs, and it's disgusting. But... Um, Who's, whose house is invaded by a slug? I, just, I hear things about people who are like, yeah, slugs crawl into my house at night. Here in Georgia? Yeah. I think so. All right. Yeah, Uh, but um, because they can go under the door and stuff. It's I mean they're 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 squishy. They're squishy. They can they can squeeze. But anyway, my point being is that they're um, they're tremendously great at uh, chomping down uh, produce. They uh, they can be quite a pest. I was reading in uh, this book, fourteen ninety three, by Charles uh, C. Mann, and this is. about Columbus's discovery of the New World and the biological ramifications of that. But uh, he includes a couple of, uh, of accounts in there about attempts to introduce uh, golden apple snails uh, from Brazil to Taiwan and then also to the Philippines uh, in, a, in an attempt to uh, create a caviar business. Mm-hmm. Um, both of these failed. Uh, partially, I look at the Taiwan example because uh, the Taiwanese really weren't into the idea of eating caviar. Uh, but then you end up with these uh, with these apple snails just out and about, uh, and they're just eating everything. They're eating the uh, the eggs of other creatures. Mm-hmm. They're eating rice uh, plants. So it, these things can be quite the pest when they get out of control. In fact, one stat um, I ran across said that uh, wherever, and this is from the University of Florida, um, or Florida, if you will, um, they uh, said that whenever the plant damage done by snails and slugs is easily observable, uh, it has been determined that the live weight of the slugs infesting the area may be around 70 pounds per acre. 
70 pounds of slug. That sounds delicious. Can you just imagine it? Like, I, I picture it like congealing in the form of like a human, just all slug. It's gross. But, um, but it's an amazing creature, and it's amazingly successful creatures. Um, so there you go. This is, this is what I like to think about. Um, slugs and your beauty products. Yes. And this cracks me up because in 2006, Chilean farmers reportedly noticed, and this sounds like an oil uh, of Olay commercial, they reportedly noticed visibly smoother skin after handling snails. They were breeding for the French food market, of course. Yeah, and this apparently falls in with some very old ideas. Uh, Hippocrates, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, He reportedly uh, prescribed a mixture of sour milk and crushed snails for skin inflammations. So it's it's... We've known for a while that uh, there's something in the slime that that can help us, that can be beneficial. Well, it's packed with glycolic acid and elastin. A snail secretion protects its own skin from cuts, bacteria, and powerful UV rays, making Mother Nature's gooiness a prime source for proteins that eliminate dead cells and regenerate skin. Yeah, so I it, just read that off a, a bottle of beauty product. I didn't, but doesn't that, I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah. Well, when you're... Sounds this lovely. Is the thing. When you're buying that beauty, beauty product... You th- you think you're like oh I'm getting this elegant man-made ointment to rub on on my skin and then I'm I'm better off but no what you're really doing is you're stealing a a snail or slugs uh, self-defense system you're, you're right you're you're co-opting their um, their self-defense system and it's 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 interesting to think of it that way for smooth skin it just reminds me of like an absolutely fabulous. Uh, episode. Did you ever watch that? Um, I think I saw parts of it. I remember it being on. Yeah. I, I can just imagine Adina like flying down to Chile and noticing that the locals have fabulous skin, and then starting to put slugs all over her face. Um, no doubt, there's some sort of cosmetics VP out there that has done that. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we are going to talk about slime, hagfish, and. Uh, some of the defenses that these creatures have, including a stuffing mouth full of slime, gagging their nemesis. All right, we're back. So first off, we're, we're going to talk about the hagfish, which is a... And arguably a, a repulsive creature. Um, has no jaw bones, has no backbone. Um, if you've ever seen, uh, I believe it was David Attenborough's uh, Life, I think it was, that uh, that had some fantastic scenes of these creatures uh, feeding, uh, among other creatures, feeding on a dead whale mm-hmm. on the ocean floor. Uh, and they'll, they're, that's what they do. They yeah, love like- to eat decaying animal matter. In the ocean, they'll just bore into it and then eat their way back out of the corpse. Yeah, they're mostly like the vultures of the sea. Yeah. They do some hunting, but they're they're basically scavengers, and they're an eel-like looking fish. Yeah, blind and that, essentially, if you've seen the movie Tremors, those things that come out yes. of the Tremors, the the the, the, the uh, graboids Grab- mouth. Yeah, yeah. Those are, are essentially uh, hagfish. But these guys have been swimming in the oceans for three hundred million years, and there are seventy-seven species all over the world. Um, this is cool. It's got a plate of cartilage studded with two rows of teeth, which it uses to burrow down into the dead carcasses. Um, its only predators are either very large fish whose gills are too big to clog or mammals, which obviously don't have gills and whose stomachs can easily digest or expel the slime. So it's out there and it's proliferating. Yeah. I mean, the slime is key because what it'll do 
If you uh, like, I've seen some footage of uh, fishermen pulling them out, and when they pull them out, they tie into these knots. Mm-hmm. They kind of knot their body and then start excreting the the slime, and uh, it creates quite a lot of slime, like clear Crisco looking stuff, uh, even when they're out of the water. But when they're in the water, of course, as we discussed earlier, what what does what does slime do when it encounters more water? It becomes thicker and thicker, and there's more and more of it. So something tries to eat a hagfish, say a shark. It pumps out the slime, and this slime is thick and 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 just viscous. And uh, shark suddenly has not only a mouthful of hagfish, but a mouthful of choking slime. Yeah, it oozes from hundreds of pores that line their bodies, and the slime consists of large mucus proteins called mucins, linked together by longer protein threads. So when it mixes with the seawaters, you say it massively expands, becoming almost a thousand times more dilute than other animal mucus. Yeah. So it kind of leaves the slugs in the dust there when it comes to its production of mucus. Yeah. Imagine if humans had this ability. You know, someone starts messing with you, say they grab your arm on the train, and then you just extrude out some slime, and then they can't even get a handle on you. I would go for that. Yeah. Would you then feel less sort of disgusted by slugs if you had the ability to slime uh, yourself? I don't know. I was thinking about that earlier today. Like, what if humans were slime creatures? And what if we, we left trails everywhere we went? What if... I don't know. I guess, you know, I'd be cool with it then. What choice would I have? Right, exactly. You'd embrace it. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of grossed out by some of the things humans do, just biologically. So maybe I wouldn't be cool with it. (laughs) You would be that lone human covered in slime in the corner. Well, I would probably be the one that's trying to groom himself free of slime, and then I would have, like, horrible slug skin. Yeah, you would. You'd have, like, little rashes on your skin from when you try to lick it off. Or actually just... Get it off with a dry towel, as we know. All right, so here's the cool thing about these hagfish is that um, they're hanging out in the ocean. They're chomping on a fish carcass. All of a sudden, a shark comes up, bites it. What happens? Well, it starts pumping out the slime, right? Yes, to the point that there's so much slime in that shark's mouth that it begins to convulse and it retreats. So what other animal can you think of in the ocean that has such a wonderfully direct and disgusting defense system. A skunk? Ah. So it's kind of the skunk of the The sea? underwater skunk? Yes. Yeah, actually it is. Um, and it's so cool because this flinty hagfish is so confident that it will just, there's video of this, that it'll just, uh, after it's been bit, it'll just kind of return to eating again. Like, oh, yeah, another shark just came by, tried to eat me. Yeah, well, they're pretty, they're pretty simple creatures in that regard. I mean, they're very... There's just like eating corpses and occasionally sliming a shark, and that's really all it has going on. And they do hunt a bit, too. Uh, there is video of them sticking their heads into burrows, trying to find fish. Mm. And then when they do, it's thought that they choke a fish with its slime, so they Oof. produce the slime. Can you imagine that if you're in that burrow and you're yeah. in that fish? Uh, and then they knot themselves, the lower half of its body, body to gain leverage against the burrow and drag the fish out. Oh, wow. I see. I had no idea that they ever used their slime offensively, but... Yeah, yeah, and not as much, right? Because they're mostly yeah. scavengers. But okay, you're not always going to have that whale carcass to feed on, and when times are tough, you turn to hunting. See a tasty like a, fish like a lot go- of scavengers, right? You see a tasty fish go into a burrow, and that's it. Um, it also knots itself to help free itself from pre- predators, and even as a way to clear the slime from its body. Yes, I've seen that too. It kind of wrings itself out like a towel. Mm-hmm. I mean, not in the sense that it's uh, removing slime from inside it, but just sort of like. In the process yeah. of knotting itself, it slaws it off. Yeah. Kind of like you would if you yeah, were Yeah, the covered. same way if I were covered yeah. with slime, I would just... Yeah. Yeah. We just did a little motion of getting it off our arms there. Yeah. All right, so this is not the only creature, obviously, in the ocean 
that loves its slime. Actually, all fish are covered in slime. Yeah, it's uh, and it's it's really interesting. They, um, they a lot of the information we found on this we found on fishing uh, websites where uh, they really are, are are even better and better these days about uh, about trying to encourage fisher fishermen and. and Fisherwomen and anglers in general, I guess, that, uh, that when you catch a fish and you're releasing it, you just try not to handle it all that much because you're going to wipe off slime. And the, 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 fish is, the, the slime of the fish is really essential uh, to so many different functions, as we'll discuss here. Uh, one of the coolest that we ran across, uh, the African lungfish. And uh, the African lungfish is a creature that lives in swamps, uh, backwaters of West and South Africa. Um, they're carnivores. They eat frogs and other small fish, but occasionally there's a drought, right? And when the and when the shallow water that it lives in evaporates, the lungfish secretes uh, the slime all around itself and forms a that dries into a cocoon. Mm-hmm. And Which it, is important too to note that they have lungs and they can breathe air, so it yes. works in conjunction with this. Yeah, they can live out of water in this cocoon for up to a year. Uh, though usually it's not quite that long. Yep, and they may hibernate by chewing into the soil and the debris at the bottom of a waterway, ejecting mud from the gills as it burrows down. Very cool. And it digs one to nine inches below the surface, then wiggles around to create a bulb-shaped chamber. And then when the chamber is complete, the fish rests with its nose pointing upward. And then in water, it can survive up to four years in this state. So it pretty much goes into a state of torpor. So what else does slime do for our uh, fishy friends? Well... There's a, there's a whole list of things. For starters, slime plays an important role in the efficiency of gas transport through the fish's skin. Uh, it uh, provides external protection. Uh, it makes it uh, externally slippery for larger creatures. It makes it harder for parasites and pathogens to infiltrate the fish. Uh, it also reduces tur- turbulence, and this is especially the case with fast-moving fi- uh, fish mm-hmm. that uh, drag resulting from small spaces between scales and uh, and projecting body parts. So you cover everything with some slime, everything's smoother, the fish is able to travel faster, more streamlined. Um, slime is also useful uh, for co- coagulating particles, providing clean water in the immediate area around the fish, thus improving the movement and dermal respiration. So it kind of gathers up the dirt and mm-hmm. allows a fresh water source. It produces toxins. We mentioned this already with the hagfish, uh, producing this, uh, this slime that is used as a defensive measure. But you also see this in lampreys and, and other slimy creatures. Uh, they're able to, to use it, uh, again, as a protective and occasionally offensive weapon. Uh, cocoon formation with the lungfish that we already mentioned. Feeding. Several fish uh, secrete body slimes to feed their young. Uh, baby discus uh, fish, for instance, feed on an overabundance of slime which develops on the sides of the parent fish at breeding time. So, And finally, it can also be used as an alarm substance or a nest-building material. So there you go. More uh, facts about slime that you probably never knew. Yep. And I hope that you have a better appreciation for the slugs in your life, the hagfish, the African lungfish. Yeah. Ultimately, a slimy creature is not merely slimy uh, so that it can you know, shock you or repulse you. It's, it's, uh, it's far more complicated than that, involving lo- locomotion, communication. Ugh, and you're showing the picture to me again. Um, I just wanted to see <laughs> how much of the merits have changed your mind. I think you're still there. <laughs> um, oh, on a related note, I will say I did a blog post uh, yesterday. Uh, titled Good Question, colon, How to Salt Melt a Garden Slug. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in learning ab- about that, go check out that blog post. Uh, it's a it's a really fascinating situation. It's not just a situation where the salt is 
is destroying the slug, even mm-hmm. though that's what it looks like when a kid puts salt on a slug. Uh, but it, but ultimately, it's drawing all of the um, all of the moisture out of the slug. And it all has to do with the nature of slime and how the, the slime is ultimately a part of that creature. And I guess you could vanquish slugs with that method if you wanted to. Yeah. Although it's not so great for the ecosystem. Yeah, I just and it's just gross. There are better. There are, I suppose one or two wouldn't hurt. But well, it, there, there are better advo- ways to yeah. keep slugs away. Yeah, uh, I'm not advocating slug sadism. Yeah, because really, yeah, my thing with with putting salt on the slugs is I already thought they were gross, and if you put salt on them, it's just a grosser situation. And I don't want to cause them pain. I just want them to not be around me. So okay, good to know. All right. Well, on that note, we're gonna we're gonna skip on the listener mail today. Uh, maybe we'll do some in the next couple of of uh, episodes. So. Indeed, look for our Valentine's Day episode on the sex life of slugs. It is grotesque and uh, should be a nice, nice remedy for anyone out there who's just a little tired of the over-commercialized Valentine's Day nonsense. Well, I would say though there is some romance. There's some there's, some visual fireworks yeah, going on. There's some bromance. There is some yeah. bromance. There's uh, there and sistermance. And sistermance. It's just it's a whole new world of sexuality that you will discover in the next episode of Stuff to Blow Your Mind. I think it's hermaphromance, actually. Hermaphromance, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tune in for the hermaphromance. So, in the meantime, if you have some anecdotes you'd like to share about slugs, snails, slime, slimy fish, the purposes of slime, slime on the movies, slime on TV shows, slime is just a part of our culture, let us know about it. You can find us on Facebook, where we are Stuff to Blow Your Mind. You can find us on Tumblr. We're also Stuff to Blow Your Mind. You can find us on Twitter, where our handle is Blow the Mind. And, yes, you can share grotesque photos of slugs, and it'll probably make me wretch, but uh, that's your right as a listener. You guys know what to do. All right, if you want to drop a line, you can do so at blowthemindatdiscovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.